Sweet. So this is, I hear some of y'all's first time formation. Welcome. The, uh, the initiation is after this. We can't tell you what it is, but it involves dog hair and milkshakes. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. Um, that's, that's horrible. Don't picture that. Um, I'm John. Uh, I work for SPO in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I've been with SPO for like nine years. Uh, that, that little one, two, that's Ellie. Uh, Eleanor, we call her Ellie. She's two and four months, and then Roland's back there. who will probably make some noise. Um, and that's my wife, Anna, if you haven't met her. Uh, so we, uh, yeah, I've been, we live in Columbus. My job is like a mission supervisor, so I work at Ohio State, how Dominican, but really where my heart is at is Cincinnati. Here with you guys. Uh, this is like my fifth John time down here. Skyline. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I can't say I've come around on Skyline. But I do appreciate a good Reds baseball game. And uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's a good city. And I, I, I like, no, no, not buying the Reds. Oh, I can't, because it'd be disingenuous, and I can't lie to you guys to your face. <laughs> You'd rather be lying. That's good. Uh, man, Skyline, I don't know how you guys do it. Um, anyways. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not winning any favors here. I love Cincinnati. Uh, so here we go. Here's what we're talking about. I'm going to start with a really easy question. It's on your outline. Why does SPO exist? Um, I'm not going to make you guys answer it because, like, I have an answer in mind. And I think it's, again, disingenuous to, like, be like, you shout out answers. I'm like, yeah, I guess. But the answer I have in mind <laughs> is this. Uh, why does SPO exist? Because God wants it to. Because God wants it to. Because there's a story behind it. So... We're here because um, the Lord has done a work um, in the world, and it, it's been like organized and collected as SPO. So here it is. You guys ready for some story time? Yeah. Some story time. Here we go. So we're talking in like the 1970s. So like around the time Tim was born. He's <laughs> not that old. Uh, Mid-70s. There's this place in St. Paul, Minnesota called the St. Paul Youth Center. And it's like a dead church, like program or structure, because back then they didn't really have youth ministers. That wasn't a thing. And parishes didn't have youth programs. They just sent all the kids to this, like, building. When we say kids, we're talking, like, 16 to, like, 24-year-olds. Okay? Like, campus ministers, like, it was just kind of like, all lumped in. They're like, ah, what, do we, what do we do with kids? I don't know. Build a building and send them there, because we don't want to deal with them. It's bingo night. Damn it. You know? <laughs> I wasn't around those days. I have no idea what the church is like. But I do know that's what they had. And this youth center, they had some programs going out of it, and, like, it wasn't, like, bad, but it wasn't, like, exactly like a place you walk into and they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to hang out here for the rest of my time. This is great. It was just sort of like ho-hum. Well, around this time in the church, there was this uh, movement happening where people were um, going to these retreats and they're experiencing a renewal in their faith. Like experiencing the Father's love for them for the first time. And it's like exploding in their heart and like changing their lives. And this renewal came to this, the leaders of the St. Paul Youth Center. And their lives were transformed. They saw the, the, the Christianity and Catholicism in a whole new light. So the, the, the popular quote during that time was, they would say, like, for too long we've just been giving people good advice, and we've been withholding from them the good news. For the first time for them that Jesus, like, came, like, from the Father, descended to us, became man, and died for us, so that we could have a relationship with God. That wasn't just like, oh yeah, that's the gospel. Like, that was alive in their hearts. And they lived it, and this was like, ex- spreading to other people through these retreats and being prayed with. 
So this is like this renewal was happening in the city. People were discovering the power of the faith. Scripture was coming alive. Their prayer was coming alive. They weren't just like talking to God like, you know, like he's out there somewhere. But they like experienced his closeness and his presence in their life, his very near presence. So what's happening out of this is during the summers, they're like, we have to like tell other people about this. So I started getting in vans and doing these retreats all over Minnesota for high school kids. And pretty soon this, this ministry, this, this, these summers became Net Ministries, which is still around today. It's like 35 years old. And they go all over the country now doing retreats for high school and middle school youth. And at the, around the same time, these, these people were like experiencing this renewal in the faith. Also this call to like live in community with one another. Like not too dissimilar from like household. They're like kind of like household on steroids because they weren't in college anymore. They're just like, we actually, we need to like, I want to share life with you. Like let's be in a men's group together and like let's... Get, get together regularly outside of mass and like pray together and that's like they have some teaching and grow together as a community because they just experience this call to be to be a people to be to be church really um in in the catholic church and it was really powerful and it was exploding and then uh my uh gordy deem right around this like let's say like 1984 was one of these guys who was a leader in this net ministries this, this van ministry which sounds kind of sketchy when you say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what they wrote. It was white vans, the same ones you see in the, <laughs> the Beware posters. Um, I think now they're, print, they're painted and they have like decals on them, so they, they up, they've, they've upped it. It still looks like from some of the 1990s, though. But that's their problem, not mine. Uh, so this explo- So Gordy, right, he gets a, he's one of the leaders. Someone comes to him and says, Hey, Gordy, we're thinking about doing a college ministry. Do you want to do that? And he's like, No, not really. They're like, shoot, okay, please? And he's like, sure, fine. So he prayed about it. He did it. So what they did, they sent him to Michigan, where a lot of this renewal in the Holy Spirit was happening in the church. Um, like, we're talking like hundreds of thousands. So fun side tangent. In 1977, Arrowhead Stadium, where they just held the NFC cha- AFC Championship game, holds like 60,000 people. That stadium was filled with people. At Jesus 1977, that was the name of the conference, and it was it was like people from like all Christian denominations there to just to worship God, and to pray for Christian unity, and everyone it was just like you can actually look it up on YouTube. My father-in-law sent us a clip this last week on our family group chat. Like check it out. Like I've seen it a hundred times. Um, <laughs> we didn't watch. <laughs> we we sometimes. Um, anyways, so <laughs> we're nicer to him than that. I promise. Um, so it, it was just like this this. Really, the Lord was doing a lot in really the Catholic world and just the whole Christian world in the 70s and 80s. And then, so Gordy goes to Michigan, learns how knows about household, learns about formation, learns how to do college ministry, brings it back to Minnesota, and just explodes. And if you ever met Gordy Demeray, he's not your like charismatic, like upfront rah rah guy. He's just like a guy who's faithful to the Lord, and he just kind of like does the next thing. Um, but God just like exploded this ministry. It wasn't because he had a great personality. It's because God was doing something powerful in Minnesota. And this summer of 1989, they did a summer household program. They had 120 students sign up to live in household together in formation for two and a half months. That's insane. Like people were just convicted. Uh, actually, who was there there at the time was uh, Bishop Cousins, who's uh, the bishop of Minnesota. There's like, I think dozens of priests and religious like, there was just explosion of grace. And they weren't really priests or bishops yet. They were still, like, had their first names. Um, but you guys, you guys get the picture here that, like, God was doing something powerful in Minnesota. And it was, just, it was just growing. And that's kind of what, I guess, what we're standing on today. So there's a couple scripture verses that were, that were key in the beginning of SPL. You see, you see my your outline. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Just from the get-go, it was, the Lord was 
knocking it in their brains, like, hey, like, this isn't your clever design. I'm the one who's building this. Like, keep your eyes on me. Second one, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And I love this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I read that again. Jesus says in John 15, um, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. These are two, the two foundational verses of SPO at the time. The Lord speaking consistently to everyone who's involved. The Lord, is, this is his plan. He's the one doing this. Keep our eyes on him. You know, that's honestly what I love about SPO is that it didn't start because Gordy and some of his buddies were in like the back room of some Italian restaurant with cigars being like, how are we going to do this? And it was the Lord who like paved the way. The Lord brought, and Gordy didn't even want to, but God used a leader to call him. He learned a way to do it, brought it to Minnesota, thought this might maybe work, and it exploded. Like hundreds of students, powerful conversions, people's lives being transformed. And I love the fact that God, the Holy Spirit, was the one who is the engine for this. And it's the same way today. Because the Holy Spirit is the engine for all that we do. Because, again, do we have strategy meetings? Yes. Do we try to be clever? Like St. Paul says, we should be master builders. Absolutely. We should try to be smart. But if we forget that the Holy Spirit is, like, the reason and the purpose and everything behind what we do, we're lost. So, here's what it says. It says, this goes nowhere without the Holy Spirit. I wrote that in quotes there. Um, so I want to propose something to us today. That at the heart of SPO, this is on your outline, I think, at the heart of SPO is the gift of a new way of relating to God and his people. At the heart of SPO, there's a new way of relating to God and his people. And two, at the heart of SPO is the invitation, is the, is the invitation to live a victorious Christian life. We're going to unpack those a little bit together. So victorious as opposed to defeated, right? Because I think we all realize in life, failure is an option. And there's, we can fail at this. But victorious as opposed to defeated. So we're going to talk some catechism here. You guys ready for that? Okay, yeah. Bring out the heavy hitters. So baptism, kind of the place it all starts for Christians, right? Like you baptize, like that little guy was baptized two months ago. He had no idea what was happening. Um, but does anyone know, actually? So here's us. In baptism, we're given everything we need to live a victorious Christian life. Like, God comes through for us in baptism, right? 100%. But the thing is, like, do we see that in every baptized Christian's life? Do we see them all living victorious Christian lives? We're honest with ourselves. Are we always living victorious Christian lives? No. No, there's probably there's some meat left on the bone, right? We'd all agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So does anyone know the effects of baptism? I have four written down here. Can maybe argue five. I will say them. Because um, I didn't know the meters good. Uh, I had to look these up too, because I knew I knew three of them. I missed the fourth. So in baptism, our sins are forgiven. We're washed of original sin. We are adopted into God's family, which is a big freaking deal. We are given the theological virtues, they say infused, um, in the seeds of faith, hope, and love. Not like in their perfection, but like the seeds of those are planted in us. And then we're initiated into the church, which is Christ's body. So that's what happens in baptism. Again, like, why don't we see that taking effect in people's lives? Is, is, that, is that a question you guys have ever? Like, you know, like God get baptizes and, like, sacrament isn't worthless because God is faithful and he has to do something. He doesn't just, like, leave you out to dry. So 
The problem is we're not seeing this. So I want to define Victoria's Christian life for us really quick before we move on. Um, it's, it's simple. It's simple. But it's not easy. Jesus says, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. It's like every, it's with all your soul, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not like be a good person and check a box on Sunday. It's, it, the call is bigger than that. And this is Jesus' words. This isn't John making stuff up in front of us. This is what Jesus told us. And St. Paul, he actually tells us what this looks like. He talks about the fruits of the spirit, like manifested in our life. It's a spirit of love. You guys know this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, mercy, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the spirit. So when we're living a victorious Christian life, we're manifesting these traits in our being. People can like look to us and say, like, that's a person of patience. And it's not because we're like mustering up and white knuckling it, because we're alive in the spirit, and he's leading us, and he's working through us. It's like fruits of the spirit. Um, The image we love using is like one of a tree, right? And the fruit of a tree is like, it's like the last thing that happens, right? Like the first thing that happens in a tree is what? It's the roots, right? It's like first, like we put a seed in the ground, like roots happen first. And then like the trunk comes up, right? And then eventually it starts to like get branches and flowers and leaves. And then the last thing is the fruit. And I think we can go obsessed with the fruit, being like, I need to be a patient person. Of course I'm being patient, but actually what Jesus shows us is like, let's do some, let's go into the roots. That's what we're talking about today is more root work than just the fruit work. Oh, you like that? Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Do some, some root work, not the fruit work. So we're about an SPO. All right. That's good. Thanks. Uh, so, does this characterize our life? For us, for ourselves, like, again, there's some meat left on the bone. You can ask my wife. Like, there's some meat left on the bone in my life. There's, there's, there's like, more to be unlocked. I'm not living this way um, completely. There's been victory, but there's, there's something missing. And we try to white-knuckle it on our own. It just, we see it doesn't quite take us there. So, I want to read... Matthew 13 for us. Jesus is talking here to his um, disciples. And uh, it's a powerful teaching moment because he's talking about the kingdom of God. And Matthew, if you read Matthew, it's all about the kingdom of God. Um, he's writing to a Jewish audience because they were kind of anticipating the kingdom of God. That was, that was their, uh, their mindset. And um, he's explaining it in parables. Classic Jesus, right? Just tell it to me straight. Well, he is, actually. He gets pretty clear when he's talking about the kingdom and I love this. Um, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is do you guys catch it? Like, so the first story, kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Okay, think about this man. Like, he's just walking through a field that clearly wasn't his own because he had to buy it. So what's he doing? Is he taking some shortcut somewhere? That's what I was kind of imagining. I was trying to think, like, why would he be in a random field? Well, maybe he was like walking someplace and the treasure wasn't just in the open or else someone else would have found it. It was kind of hidden. And so he found this treasure. And it was so great that he actually like sold everything he had for that. 
And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Like, what have we sold everything for in our life? Well, we sold some things for, like, college. Like, you're giving up a lot to be here. Like, not to mention, you know, like, you give up a lot to be in college. You give up a lot, um, maybe for job, for co-op, families, obligations. We're used to giving things up. But what Jesus is saying here, there's something about the kingdom of heaven that when we discover it, we actually are compelled out of joy to sell all this success. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has. Not because like, oh shoot, I should do this because I think someone told me a long time ago. It's out of his joy. And this is what was happening in the early days of this St. Paul Youth Center was that people in their joy were selling all they had because they experienced the living God exploding in their life. And it was this experience that drew them in their joy to sell what they had. I love the second one. The guy, in the second one, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Like, this guy's looking. So, the first one could be likely to be someone who's maybe, like, maybe not really that Christian, or maybe just kind of going ho-hum in their life, and like, boom, treasure. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Selling everything. This person is actually searching, they're like, looking for fine pearls. So they're kind of like us. We're like, we're kind of looking for it. We're like in the game, right? You're here tonight. Like, praise God. Like, but you're in the game. You're looking for stuff. And this person finds something that's so much better than we thought possible. He's like, all these other pearls, they maybe had like hundreds. I don't know. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sell all those for this guy. Because this one is, exa- this is, this is everything. This is what I need. This is what I'm made for. So, brothers and sisters, the call for us is not a, it's not, a, it's not the salt it's not just like pouring a little Jesus salt on our life. It's, it's something bigger. And it's not, I'm not here to say it's like um, something that you just kind of muster up and do. I'm saying the Lord wants to change your heart. He wants to actually give you a new heart. Have you guys heard that before? The Lord wants to give you a new heart. Um, Ezekiel 36. He says, we can find it. Um, here it is. Um, he says, "I for I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. He says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. Sound like baptism to anyone? This is the Old Testament, by the way. They weren't baptizing people. The same way we're baptizing people. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And he says, a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out your flesh, take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. This is, this is again, Old Testament. This is, this is Ezekiel. This is before Jesus. And what he's prophesying about is that God is going to change hearts. He's going to transform hearts. Not just like slap a band-aid on that bad boy and say, good luck the next 70 years. But he's going to transform our hearts. And that's what this renewal in the spirit, brothers and sisters, is all about. Is God coming to us and transforming our hearts. So, we're talking about renewal. We've used that word a little bit. Um, Don't talk about that. Yeah, let's go into it. So renewal. Renewal in SPO, we talk about uh, one of our cares and values is actually renewal in the Holy Spirit. And renewal is a packed word because it actually means like renew. So it's not like new, different. Like 
never seen this before. It's like, no, 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 we're going back to the beginning, to what it used to, like, to, to discovering actually what this is in original intent was. So when we talk about renewal, we're saying is, we're, it's, not, it's not our clever strategies. It's not going to be like a great Bible study content. All those things are helpful. It's not going to be a great formation talk. All those things might be helpful. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to transform hearts and like ignite lives and change the trajectory of a place someone can go in life. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. And we see that all over the place in Acts. You guys read Acts of the Apostles. It's so powerful. I'm starting Pentecost, but we see the Holy Spirit intervening, changing, opening up doors, shutting other ones, like shaking, actually shaking the apostles and the ground they're on and transforming lives. Because what we're seeing now, brothers and sisters, I talked about earlier, is like baptism just like, it's not, it's, it always is, God is always faithful in baptism, but we're not seeing Christians who are alive. So what the Lord's been doing for the last like 70 years, ever since 1960s in the Catholic Church, is this renewal in the spirit. And we say baptism in the Holy Spirit. That can be like a cool buzzword for it. But what that refers to is this God transforming your heart. And it's, um, so Father Cantula Mesa, um, Packets here. You want? Yeah, I see. I see one sheet actually. So this is. I'll give you guys afterwards. It's, a, it's a, by Father Cantula Mesa. He's the preacher to the papal household, which means the Pope chose him to be the guy who preaches to him. It's a pretty sweet gig. He's been doing it actually since John Paul II, so he's been around a while. He's pretty old. Uh, but he has a great article here about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what this is, is this ignition of faith that the Lord has been doing in the Catholic Church. And what he says here, he says, um, the baptism in the, in the Holy Spirit is not a sacrament, but is related to the sacrament, to several sacraments, in fact, the sacraments of Christian initiation. So the baptism in the Spirit makes real and in a, in a way renews Christian initiation. So what, it, what happens is in baptism, we receive, like I said, those, uh, those four things. You remember those? Initiation. The initiation in the church, sins are forgiven, adopted into God's family, and then the theological, theological virtues. Well done. So those things happen every time, 100%. Um, but the other part of the sacrament that needs to be effective is our yes. Because God, Augustine, Augustine said, God who created you without your consent will not save you without your consent. Like, he needs a yes. He's not just going to override the system and be like, I got you now. He's going to need our yes. And when that yes is there, those graces are ignited in our lives. And they become active. Like, we can actually live a victorious Christian life because, again, it's, 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 it's real in a way. So, where before... Yeah, you know, I'll keep moving. Um... He, has a really, he does a really good job of explaining this. Um, he even goes to some sacramental theology if you're kind of like, if you're like that stuff. Um, he says that at the beginning of the church, baptism was such a powerful event and so rich in grace that there was no need normally of a new effusion of the spirit like we have today. So what he's saying is in the early time of the church, um, we're talking like, very early church, like 100s. Like, when people were baptized, they were all adults, right? 
and they were coming into the church. And their yes was a mature adult yes. And again, with that yes, combined with God's spirit, we see all kinds of, we, we, we see powerful conversions. We hear stories in the church fathers. We see them in the scripture of the powerful manifestations of the spirit. Well, now we don't see that as much. When Roland was baptized, like God did something that he didn't start praying in tongues. You know, that would have been something. Um, but what it says is, um, but now this, this grace is given to the church for such a time as this where so many of us are baptized in infants that we can actually have a chance to say yes to the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and receive a new heart that he has for us. And again, it's not like a one time it's done forever, but um, there's, there's millions of stories of people who are getting prayed with for baptism of the Holy Spirit, who are giving their mature yes to the Lord and being open to whatever he has for them. The rest of like, God, I want whatever, whatever you have for me. And the most common experience is that they experience the love of the Father in a new way. This ignition that can kind of take place in the heart. A new orientation happens. So my quick story, you know, my time here. Um, I had a conversion going into college. High school was not the best time in my life. Um, I was not really seeking the Lord, but I realized I needed to change. I went to college, and I, uh, I sit down at, after my 8 a.m. physics class. On my first day of school, it was like 9.20 in the morning. I was like, what the heck am I going to do for the next two hours? Like, I had no idea. I was like, this is college? So I, like, I might as well pull out my Bible and mom pack for me. So I pull out my Bible. And like had a little rosary, you had to pray that, so I did that. And it was just like an intense wave of grace. God was like, this is where you need to be. He didn't say that, that's what I experienced in my soul. So I just started doing that every day. And I just started praying every day, like for an hour. I don't know why, I guess it was the Adderall buzz, I don't know, it, it happened every day. <laughs> yeah, so, and then I, uh, but the thing is like, some weekends, I would go to my buddy's dorm to go hang out with him, and they would be like the same old, same old. Like back to the high school stuff that I was trying to get away from, that I thought it was, that was behind me. I was like, ah, stupid. So I go, I go to Mass on Sunday, go to confession, get cleaned up, um, go have a couple weeks. Hey, you want to come hang out this weekend? Yeah, let's do it. Back to my buddy's room, same old, same old. Just like banging my head against the wall. I went home that summer, and with all my high school friends again, it, you can imagine, it was just downward spiral. But I, like, I had an entire year of like praying an hour, and I was actually really convicted. I was like a leader in this uh, youth ministry program. I was like leading Bible studies. I was, went to Mass every single like, Sunday. I was going to confession all the time. Like, I was praying for an hour every day. Like, God was like serious in my life, but I was still like, this stuff was still attached to me. I was, like, it was frustrating. I didn't know what to do. So my buddy invited me to this conference in Minnesota. I went, and I started hearing people talking about like, like there's this, there's this like, God wants to unlock more power in your life. I'm like, yeah, sign me up for that. It's like, God, like, something needs to happen because this ain't working. And I heard about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, that sounds sweet. I, never heard of it. I haven't heard about this. I don't care. I want, I want that. And um, I got prayed with one night for it. And it was like, there was like six guys around me. It was like really intense. And they're like, guys are like praying in different languages. And I was like, what's going on? And like, asked for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it was over. And I was like, what was that? What happened? And I think God did something. I was like, I want to believe that. And then, like, I kind of woke up the next morning. I was like, I don't, I'm confused, God. But I didn't, like, give up hope. I, like, I knew, like, God had a plan for me because he brought me. I was, in Michi- I was in Minnesota at the time. But I knew God had a plan for me. So I, like, kept, like, pressing in. Like, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I was expressing my frustrations, like, four or five nights later to a buddy outside chapel. And he was like, let's go pray about it. So like, okay. So you go to this chapel, and you start praying with me. And, um, um. I think I was, like, on the ground when you were praying at some point, whatever. But I just experienced this, like, light come inside of me and, like, explode. And, like, I don't know how to explain it. But I just get up and start praising God in a language I didn't know. I started praising God. 
I was just so full. I was just I was full of God. And I, I remember I was about 10 minutes later, I was sitting outside in adoration praying. And I was just like aware that like that is my father who loves me. And nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. Like God, center of everything. He, he deserves all my life. And this explosion happened in my life. And I went back and I, I'm a pretty social guy. But for the first time in my life on a Friday night, I wouldn't go out if I didn't have any plans that were wholesome. I just like hung out. And it was unthinkable before that. My priorities completely shifted. And he, like my, my entire life, my view, my desire for mission, scripture started, I started reading the Bible and I was like, I was like is this guy writing to me? Because this is like cutting me to the heart. It just made sense in a new way. Like church doctrine made sense. That's how like in a holistic whole, it's like, oh, that's why. Like I think sacraments came alive. Mass was just like so real to me. Like all this stuff was happening in my life. And I don't explain it, but besides God broke into my life in a powerful way. So this is available to every single one of us, brothers and sisters. And our experience is different. Um, but God wants to break into your life, every single one of you, and give you a new heart. And there's two things required of us. We have to repent and we have to believe. We have to repent and believe. Like that's, that's what, like if you have heart surgery, there's two prerequisites, right? Like real heart surgery. If I'm on like the table, well, I have to like agree that I need a new heart and agree that I'll let you do heart surgery. It's like, it's kind of like that. Like, you have to agree, like, yeah, yeah, I need a new heart. That's the repent. Like, yeah, this ain't working. Like, I thought I had it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. God, um, I, need, I need you. And then believe, like, Jesus, like, you're the Lord. You're everything. Like, let's do this thing. So, the Holy Spirit changes everything. Um, in a couple weeks, there's going to be a fan of flame retreat. And, like, this is, like, kind of... This is, this is like the thrust of fan to flame. It's giving people an opportunity to experience this renewal baptism in the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, it's not just like limited to like fan to flame. I know actually like dozens of people who experience this outside of like a formal prayer meeting. Like God can break through whenever the heck he wants. Like we don't, we don't have like the, the formula or the algorithm. All right, computer science majors. <laughs> we don't have the algorithm. Like God does whatever the heck he wants. But, what I do want to say, as can kind of wrap us up here and lead us into worship, is when we experience this renewal in the Holy Spirit, one of the primary things that happens to us is we experience a desire to praise the Lord, to like actually worship Him. And sometimes this is like really powerful and freeing. But sometimes in our life, I'm sure, especially those who live in household, wake up at six thirty and realize I don't always feel like praising God. But worship is a tool for us. Actually, you want to hear the catechism quote? Coming at you. You ready for this? The catechism says, The worship of God sets man free from turning in on himself, the slavery of sin, and the idolatry of the world. Worship of God sets man free from turning in on himself, slavery of sin, and idolatry of the world. Brothers and sisters, worship is looking at God and saying, God, you are God, and I am not because it's not about us. When we worship God, it's not about us. It doesn't matter. You feel tired? You men in morning for men, women morning for no. Like it doesn't matter how I feel. It matters that God is worthy to be praised. And when I make that decision, then the Holy Spirit can rush into my life. And sometimes you know, I'm rowing in worship in the beginning. I'm like, God, I don't want to be here, but you're God and I'm not. And I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to speak your praises. I'm going to open up my Bible. I'm going to read some psalms right here and just praise you, God. And then maybe like half a song later, I'm, like the winds pick up and we're sailing. Praise God. Sometimes I'm rowing more than I'd like, but the winds, God is always faithful. 
And God, even if it is more rowing, I know that my heart is being changed. I know that I'm being set free from idolatry to the world, the slavery of sin, and just a me-centered life which leads nowhere. So worship is actually a great way that God makes us um, dry wood that can be ignited by his Holy Spirit. Worship. And there's, there's, there's actually a lot of ways he does this. I mean, like, let's talk sacraments, right? Especially confession. The Eucharist makes us hunger for him. We actually eat him, consume him. He, starts, he makes his dwelling within us. Um, daily, daily prayer, scripture. But worship is another arrow we should have, all have in our quiver of actually allowing the Lord to make us into dry wood so that he can ignite us with his Holy Spirit. So we're saying there's God, you are God, and I'm not. And I don't really come here with all, like, crazy good answers. I hope I didn't, like... Like, what I'm saying is, like, God is faithful, and if we worship him and focus on him, say, God, I need you, and call it to him in desperation, and repent and believe, he's going to transform our lives. And it's going to be beyond our understanding. It's going to be the treasure hidden in the field. It's going to be something, like, you're going to experience a new wave of grace in your life. It's going to make sense. It's a new heart. It's what you're, you're, it's what you're searching for. Like, we, we fill ourselves with so much BS that what we're searching for is this new heart. And God wants to give it to us. Um, empower and then continually transforming it the rest of our lives. That's what a victorious Christian life looks like, brothers and sisters, and that's what's held out to us uh, in this time in college. And that's why it's such a gift that we're here today. So, um, the worship of God sets us free. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray.